This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to the award-winning Thoughts from a Page podcast, a member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network, hosted by me, Cindy Burnett, a voracious reader and book columnist who provides you with engaging author conversations and book recommendation episodes, as well as insider information on all of the newest releases that I personally endorse and on the publishing industry in my behind-the-scenes series. With so many books coming out weekly, it can be hard to decide what to read, so I find the best ones and share them with you. For more book recommendations and to find my backlist of interviews, visit my website at thoughtsfromapage.com. If you are interested in accessing unique bonus content, I hope you will consider joining my Patreon group. I offer two levels, Page Turners, which includes my popular Early Reads program, where patrons have access to monthly early digital reads through NetGalley and exclusive pre-publication author chats, as well as regular bonus episodes and fun surprise content. My second level is Lit Lovers, which includes all of the page-turner benefits, as well as my Traveling Galley program, where patrons can read at least three to four new titles a month that are in print galley form and are passed along to other members. One of July's selections is the new William Kent Kruger book, The River We Remember. In addition, there are two monthly episodes, fiction-nonfiction pairings, and spoiler-filled interviews with three authors. The link to join is in my show notes. Today, Nicole Bart returns to chat with me about The Long Way Back. After we recorded this interview, she and I had a spoiler-filled conversation about all sorts of cool facts and things that we couldn't talk about in this interview because you need to have read the book first. We recorded it for my Lit Lovers Patreon group, and if you're interested in that, feel free to join at that level. Nicole is the author of 11 novels, including Everything We Didn't Say and Little Broken Things. The co-founder of a nonprofit and mother of five, she lives in Iowa with her family. I hope you enjoy our conversation. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, Nicole. How are you today? I'm great, Cindy. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so glad you're here again. I really enjoyed chatting with you before, and I'm so looking forward to chatting today because I loved The Long Way Back, and I loved it so much that I asked you to also do a spoiler episode with me for my Patreon group when we're done with the main show interview. So I'm really looking forward to both. Me too. I'm so glad you liked it. Such a compelling read. So let's dive in. The first thing I'd love for you to do is tell me a little bit more about The Long Way Back for those that haven't read it yet. Yeah, it's the story of an Instagram influencer whose daughter goes missing. So Charlie and Ava are exploring the United States and Canada in their vintage Airstream trailer. They've been gone for about two and a half years. And for Ava's senior year of high school, they decide to settle down on the North Shore of Lake Superior in Minnesota. 
And it's a week before Ava's graduation that she goes missing. So the rest of the book is about trying to figure out what happened and is it connected to their life on the road? And yeah, how can we get her back? How did you come up with the idea for this one? As I was reading, I was so curious. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? It was a convergence of three things at the same time, kind of a perfect storm in my life. So in the spring of 2020, everybody knows what happened then. Uh, We were all suddenly stuck at home and, and in our houses. And I have five children. So I had five kids around the table every day on their screens and on computers trying to do school. And it didn't take me very long to realize that this was changing the way that we interacted with each other and the way we interacted with the world. And I know that we were all doing that at the same time. We were all kind of wrestling with the the depth of, of what was happening to us and how it was going to change us. But it was just really impactful for me to watch my kids go from in real life, you know, IRL <laughs> to a life lived online. It was It was confusing and it was hard. So that was the first thing that happened. The second thing was in the spring, uh, in May that year, my daughter turned 13. And in our house, when you turn 13, you get a telephone. It's really stripped down. You can call and text. I think there's maybe one game on it, but that's it. And I had gone through this already with three boys. Her three brothers are older than her, and they had all received phones and were you know, in different stages of engaging on social media and stuff. But for some reason, when I handed it over to my daughter, I had huge misgivings. It was really difficult for me to do. And I had to mind that and figure out why it was hard for me to give it to her. And at the end of the day, I came to the conclusion that it was really because I had been shaped by social media and it impacts me and how I see myself and how I engage the world. And I just, I hated that I had to steal her innocence and and put this, this thing in her hands that was going to start to challenge who she was and how she felt about herself. And then the third thing that happened was that summer in June, Uh, Our family, we live in the Midwest and we just wanted to get away. I think everybody wanted to get away. So we took a trip to Duluth. I think everybody was kind of still social distancing at that point in time. So it was a place where we could spread out and go hiking and be outdoors. And we fell in love with the North Shore of Lake Superior in Minnesota. And I knew I wanted to set a book there. So those three things may seem really disconnected. But in my mind, they cemented together in a way that I just could not extricate those ideas from each other. And yeah, it made perfect sense to me. The book kind of grew out of that. And I think when you read it, you'll you'll see why. I definitely can see how those three things tie together. And the thing that I really liked about it was the social media aspect, because my kids are a little bit older, 22, 20 and 17, but the two older are girls. And you're so right how much social media impacts them, much more than my son. He focuses on TikTok and football videos and, you know, sports things and not so much all of the aspects that really seem to trip up the women and the girls. There's just, it's just much more tricky for girls, I think, navigating social media. Oh, I couldn't agree more. You're so right. My boys are into football videos and funny, I don't know, dog memes and stuff like that. And to them, it's very lighthearted and funny and entertaining. And for my daughter, it's her self-worth is tied up in this. And and even for me too, like I want to write good books and for people to find me entertaining and for my house to look nice and my family to look good. And it's hard. And you weave in a second level because not only do you have the daughter Ava and her relationship with social media, but it is Charlie and Ava together on social media. And Charlie's really driving some of it, the mother. And so there's That whole level of when is it okay to put your child on social media? Really, Ava's too young at 13 to consent to understand what they've agreed to do, making this account together, and then everything that comes because they've made this account together. 
Oh, absolutely. I, I'm wrestling through that myself right now. I, my youngest is 12. Uh, he'll be 13 very soon. And yeah, knowing what I can and can't put online for my kids and they want to be there. They think they do, but they don't understand the implications of it and how it's going to affect them later. And it is, it's tricky. And I can't wait for our culture, our communities to start to really wrestle with this and ask ourselves, what have we done and what are we doing? And what are some parameters that we want to put around this for ourselves and for our kids? I think that's actually here. I have started seeing articles, not everywhere, but I have started seeing articles where people are talking about, is it okay to put all these photos of your children online? And is that all right when they're too young to even consent? And also, like, what is the the end game here? Like, what is going to happen as a result? And I think states are starting to pass laws about social media, and who knows whether they'll be able to be upheld. But I do think people are beginning to talk about this, wrestle with it, understand what has happened and how maybe we can try to put some parameters on it. You're right. And I'm grateful to see that happening. I worry it might be too late for me <laughs> and for my kids, but for another generation as, as these changes are being made, I, I'm grateful to see that happening. I think you're exactly right. You cannot put the horse back in the barn at this stage for many of us, but at least it's something that is starting to be chatted about, maybe make people think a little bit more about it. And I don't want to give anything away in this story, but because they've created this social media account, it certainly puts them in the spotlight and creates some trouble down the road for them, literally down the road. Get it? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's so true. And it's interesting. I, I've been posting a lot more lately personally, uh, just because my book is coming out and I want people to yeah pick it up and buy it. I sure hope that they do. But yesterday I had a post go viral and it's the most innocuous thing. It's just a photo of myself in France. And I was just saying, you know, thanks for this wonderful um, pub week. It's been so great to launch this book with with you on my side. And it has over 25,000 people who have viewed it. And all of a sudden, I am getting this deluge of, of messages from strangers and bots and people saying, you know, soliciting me essentially. And that's never happened before. So it, yeah, it's out there. The dangers are real. That's so interesting. And it must be really interesting for you after you are releasing this book completely related to that subject matter. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I say viral, 25,000 is not viral. Well, I think it's viral. That has never happened to me. Definitely viral, I think. Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. I'm not sure what to do with it. So yeah, here I get to live my own book for a short moment. Exactly. What are the odds of that normally? <laughs> right. Well, let's talk about your research. What kind of research did you do? Yeah, so I did a lot of research for this book, but it took place over the course of most of my life. So every chapter begins with, at least in the first part, uh, the actual Instagram post. So it has the text, and then it has the caption. And then underneath the caption, there's the image content. It describes like what the picture would look like, because obviously we can't put the picture in the book. And every place that my main characters, Charlie and Ava, go to is a place that my family and I have been. So Every hike, every uh, kayak, everything that they say is their favorite was our favorite too. So in some ways, the book can kind of read like a travel guide uh, to some of my favorite places in the United States. So we love to travel. We love to be on the road. We have um, a pop-up tent trailer that we've taken across the country a couple of times now. And so we've lived Charlie and Ava's life on the road to a much smaller extent with our family. It was a lot of fun to put that in the book. I love that every place you included in the book is a place that Ava and Charlie visited is someplace your family's actually gone. That's very cool. 
That was really fun. I think everybody asks me, what's your favorite book? And in some ways, I think this one will always be just because it reads like a history of my family and the places we've gone. Oh, I love that. I love to travel. So I always love when there are places included in books like this one, because if I haven't been there, I'm like, okay, I'm adding it to my list. If I have been there, it brings back memories from when my family was there. Yes. I also like that you focused on the mother-daughter relationship. You mentioned you have five kids and I knew that. So you had a lot to bring to the table on the mother-daughter relationship. What was that like putting that into your story? Yeah, you know, when I started writing, it very quickly became clear that I'm working through whatever I'm going through on the page. (laughs) So writing is cheaper than therapy in some ways, I guess. And I tried to take that out of my writing early in my career. And I finally have just given up and decided to go with it. So this is what I'm dealing with. I have four teenagers right now in the house, or I will in a couple of weeks. My 12-year-old turns 13 soon. And it's hard. Parenting is relentless and never-ending. And it takes up more bandwidth in my brain than anything else, than all of the other things combined, probably. So for me to be able to deal with that on the page and to wrestle with some of my own fears and insecurities and push it to the limit of what could possibly happen. In a way, it's it's really helpful for me to be able to, to do that. I think that makes sense. And I think that's what makes it read so genuine because it is something you yourself are experiencing. Thank you. It's good to hear. Well, you mentioned it a minute ago about the Instagram posts, but that was one of the things I wanted to ask you about. I love creative formats. I love stories told in a traditional way but I really like them. And there's more and more of it happening now when there are things interspersed. So you have Instagram posts, you have Ava's college essays, you have a podcast transcript. Was that all there from the beginning? No, it wasn't. I knew I wanted to include the Instagram posts somehow, but we wanted there to be other ephemera too. And we weren't sure quite what that would look like. So my agent and I and her assistant, we all got on on a Zoom call together and just started brainstorming what that might look like. And I actually wasn't the one who came up with the college application essays. Um, they they were. So I'm grateful for the input from multiple people there. But when I write my books, I really try to really try to show that almost everything we experience is not linear, nor is it one dimensional. Like anybody who experiences something is going to have a different take on it than the person beside them. And I wanted to show all of these different aspects, all of these different people um, looking at this this situation between Charlie and Ava and having their own take on it. Like, Was Ava Explores, their Instagram account, born out of love? Was it born out of avarice? Was it, you know, desire for fame or money or attention? Where did it all come from? And if you talk to five different people in the book, five different people have five different answers. And it, it was fun to explore with all these different formats to kind of show that. I really liked that as well. And I think it's interesting because I don't know that Charlie ever can determine exactly why she created it with her daughter, you know, like where, where the idea was for her and, and why. Right. I I think she would say, if somebody asked her, she would say, well, I did it because I love her and this is what she wanted. And I think maybe in the beginning that's true, but yeah, as time goes on, she starts to become, I don't know if greedy is quite the right word, but she loves the attention. She loves being on the road. She loves doing this with her daughter. And yeah, her motivations definitely change. And I think that's the tricky thing because she is her mother as well. So she has to try to balance those two things. And I think as you're reading, you're wondering, did she balance them well or not? And I I love that. It was definitely thought provoking. And it makes me think about being a mom myself and the choices we make and 
the things we do and just always trying to remember to stay on track. Amen to that. And, you know, I, I think that that can be applied to almost anything in life, you know, wanting your child to get into a good college. Do you want that for them or do you want that for you? Do you want that for the prestige or do you want that for, you know, their own edification and making a sports team or being chosen as the lead in the play, et cetera, et cetera. It just goes on and on. And I, I think as a mom, I'm always asking myself, why? What what are my motivations? Am I am I pure here? And I don't I don't think we ever can be wholly pure in our motivations when it comes to our children. I think that's right. And it is hard sometimes to unpack it all. Yeah. So true. The story is very page turning. I was always wanting to start the next chapter. What do you do as you're writing to make sure that's the case? Oh man, I don't remember where I read this advice, but somebody said when you're done writing for the day, don't end at the end of the scene. Keep yourself wanting more by stopping mid-scene or at an exciting point so that the next morning when you wake up and you open up your computer or your notebook, whatever it is you do to write, you're excited to dive back in again. And that works for me. Like I'll almost never complete a scene at the end of one of my working sessions so that I'm excited to dive in again. And I apply that to my chapters too. I always want there to be a hook. I want to write books that keep people sitting in bed saying, just one more chapter, just one more chapter. And I don't know that I've always been great at that in the past, but it's definitely something that I'm working on. Well, that leads me into my next question, actually. So this is your 11th book. Do you feel like you have learned a ton as you have continued to put out book after book? Oh my goodness, yes. (laughs) If I had my way, I would be forever in school, forever learning. I, yeah, I love being a student and I love expanding my mind and my repertoire. So I'm constantly reading craft books. I go to writers retreats and conferences whenever I can. I love picking up something new and then applying it to my work. So I hope that every book I write is just a little bit different and a little bit better than the one before. That has to be hard. And by the time you're at 11 books, also to make sure you're still writing about fresh things. And I mean, you definitely are. This is a great story. But in your mind, you must be like, okay, I've got to make sure I'm still keeping this fresh. And I'm assuming attending retreats, meeting with other writers, various things like that helps with that. Oh, absolutely. And I think just being a really great observer, I am a bit of an introvert. I love time alone and I love just observing the world around me, consuming things like books and media and news, whatever is happening in the world. I I love to go places where there's lots of people and just, just watch them. And I get so much great fodder from the world around me. You keep notes about those type of things so that you then can weave them into whichever story they seem to fit in. I do. I have endless notebooks and pens. If you in in my coat pockets and my purses in my car, there's always something around. And then you're madly looking through them all. Where did I write about that one particular (laughs) thing I wanted to include in this one? Constantly. Yes. And then I find things later and I think, oh, shoot, I was supposed to include that in that book and I never did. I keep things on legal pads, like various to-do lists and notes about things. And then I'm madly trying to find the one legal pad that has what I need on it. And it's not the very best system, but at least I can eventually usually find what I need. That's funny. I'm a legal pad girl too. And I write all of my books longhand on legal pads. Do you really? You know, somebody else was just telling me this, Danielle Trasoni. She does the same thing. I didn't know anybody did that anymore. I love that. Yeah. You know, it's taken me years. I I find I've discovered that when I write on a computer, I don't know, it stops me up. It's too tempting to click on Instagram or delete the paragraph I just wrote because it's not perfect or fiddle with a word, look it up in a thesaurus or whatever. 
So yeah, I, I do a lot better when I can just take a notebook into a quiet room with no distractions, no media and, and do it there. So you write longhand on the legal pad and you get to the end of the chapter or the end of three chapters, whatever the cutoff is for you. Then do you go in and put it into the computer or do you write the entire book longhand and then go put it in the computer? You know what? I have to transcribe it into the computer immediately or I won't be able to read it. I have this like crazy shorthand that I've developed over years of writing books. And I honestly, if I went back to it a year later or even a week later, I'm not sure that I could read what I had written. Okay, that's fascinating. So you write the chapter or the section that you feel like you're ready to be done with, and then you go and sit at the computer and put it in. Yep, exactly. Oh, that's fascinating. My first edit. (laughs) I love that. Well, what surprised you the most when you were writing this one? Honestly, how much fun it was. Like, this is my 11th book. So I have been doing this for a long time. And as much as I love my craft, writing is work and it's really hard work. But with this book, I just had so much fun. I felt like I was writing my debut. I fell in love with the process. I loved the story. I loved my characters. And it was just really joyful to write. And I I think I learned that I only want to write books that I feel this way about from now on, ones that are just pure pleasure. Maybe that's unrealistic, but I hope so. (laughs) I have found the more that I have done this podcast that I can tell when authors love what they wrote. Like when I'm reading a book, And I can just tell like they had a lot of fun writing this one. And I think that really translates into the story. I think that's why I love this one so much. I frequently find the books I really, really like are ones that the authors felt they just had the best time writing. Oh, that is so encouraging. And it makes me want to love writing my next book too. It just seems to translate into a really powerful story. I love that. Well, how did the title and cover come about? Well, the title, I'm terrible with titles. And usually my editor or my agent or somebody outside of the story will pick the title for me. But I had the title pretty much right away from this one because the very first thing that I wrote was the Instagram post. And after that, I knew that Charlie and Ava had to sign it, always take the long way back. So that came straight out of their little tagline, their, their sign off for their Instagram post. That part was easy. The cover was a little bit more difficult. The first couple of concepts that that they came up with weren't quite right. We really wanted something that had movement and had some personality in it. We really wanted to see a person in there. Um, we wanted color and then, yeah, a sense of menace. And I think that they captured it so beautifully. I love this cover. I love the cover too. It's what drew me to the book in the first place. And I knew from the tagline that that's where the title came from, but I was just curious if it had always been the title or if y'all had to work to get there, or how it came about? You know, it had always been the title. At the very beginning, they were a little unsure if it would be menacing enough. They thought it might sound a little too soft, but I think the cover the cover makes it work. It does. It literally looks like it's pulled right from the story, the cover. Love it. Well, what have you read recently that you really liked? Oh, man, I'm right in the middle of Hellbent right now by Lee Bardugo. I loved Ninth House and I'm really enjoying this one too. I like to read really eclectically, so lots of different things. Super enjoying that one. Um, And I just finished listening to The Extraordinary Life of Sam Hell, Robert Dugoni. And it was a really fun lesson, Um, kind of innocent and lighthearted and heartwarming for summertime. I've heard such great things about that book. I have read his Tracy Cross White series. I think that's her name, Cross Weight, Cross White. I love that series. I haven't read them all, but I've read a number of them. They're set in the Pacific Northwest and I really like them, but I've heard really good things about the Sam Hell book. I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun and a really good listen to. He narrates it himself and he does a great job. 
And my daughter loves Lee Bardugo. So she has read the first one in that series. And I think we just recently bought the second one and she's really excited to read it. Yeah, so far it's spectacular. Good. Well, Nicole, thank you so much for joining me today in the Thoughts from a Page podcast. I always enjoy chatting with you and I really love The Long Way Back and I can't wait for everybody else to be reading it. Cindy, thank you so much. It was a delight to talk to you. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. I would love to connect with you on Instagram or Facebook, where you can find me at Thoughts From a Page. If you enjoy the show, please consider joining my Patreon group to access bonus content and support the podcast. If you have a moment to rate the show or subscribe to it wherever you listen to your podcasts, I would really appreciate it. It makes a big difference. And please tell all of your friends about Thoughts From a Page. Word of mouth does wonders to help the show grow. The book discussed in this episode can be purchased at my bookshop storefront, and the link is in the show notes. I hope you'll tune in next time. Hi there, I'm Heather Drago. And I'm Sarah Saunders. We host the podcast, That's a Hard No, about saying no and setting boundaries. So you can become that true and empowered you that this world needs. Saying no isn't just okay. It's the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor. So while this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy, I suppose I know what I'm talking about. I'd say so. We talk about learning to say no and set healthy boundaries and how it impacts mental health, physical health, relationships, parenthood, and more. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit our website, hardnopodcast.com. We're here to help you find your no and say it unapologetically. That's a hard no.